What is going on, everybody? Welcome to The Game Informer Show, a weekly podcast covering the video game industry. Join us every Thursday for a discussion about the latest gaming news, reviews, and exclusive reveals along with the Game Informer staff and special guests from around the industry. I'm your host, one of your hosts, Alex Van Aken, and today I'm joined by Marcus Stewart. How you doing, Marcus? I'm doing great. Yeah, it's good to see you. It's good to see you, too. I like your yeah. face. <laughs> oh, likewise. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Kyle Hilliard, how you doing? Doing good. Hello. I haven't seen your face in a minute. I know. I was. You were properly back last week, but I was on vacation. Yeah. So. yeah. How was it? Are you feeling rested? Yeah, I'm feeling feeling refreshed. Where'd good. you go? Bahamas? <laughs> Wisconsin? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the you same know, the thing. Other ba- yeah. They call yeah. it the other Bahamas. Uh, the very, Bahamas of the very balmy weather. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yes. uh, but it was good. We had the bad air quality the week before, and now we have the bad air quality again this week. So I got that, that week off mm-hmm. of bad air quality. It was good timing. Yeah, it's really mm-hmm. good. I love looking out the window and seeing like the sepia tone. Uh, <laughs> it's real good. Uh, rounding us out. A uh, very special guest, a dear friend of mine, uh, Eric Van Allen. How you doing, Eric? Oh, you know, I'm doing great. Down here in Texas, it's always sepia-toned. Uh, I don't know if yeah. y'all know this, but that's just the way it I is. Thought right a, yeah, I thought I it was black and TV. white down there. It's it's black and white depending on where you go in the state. Okay. You know, sometimes it gets real old-timey, and that's when yeah. you, you see people riding around on their horses and such. But Yeah. See, I thought, like, you know, instead of, like, commuting to work, mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. actually just get in a car and a moving background scrolls yes and like uh-huh, uh-huh you know instead of actually driving on the highway the highway scrolls yeah, past people them. only move at like 20 frames of animation we've been trying to go yeah. green by using tumbleweeds we just ride those <laughs> everywhere it's been really yeah. effective yeah cool. for sure you you um i feel like a lot of people probably know you who are listening to the show but just in case tell us tell us what you do obviously destructoid acts the blood god which is probably like the biggest rpg focused podcast out there uh, but for those who, who don't know who you are, Eric, um, tell them all about you and Van Anklen Games. Of oh, course. yeah. Yeah, of course. Which we, is we our joke that. publisher. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Van Allen, Van Aken. We're going to make Van Anklen <laughs> Games one day. We're really looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hi, I'm Eric. Uh, I've been in the industry for a hot minute. You've probably seen me freelancing around or more recently over the last like two and a half years or so at Destructoid.com. I am the senior news guy over there. Uh, basically just cover a lot of games and stuff during the day for that, uh, ranging from the biggest news to like big reviews. I just did our Final Fantasy 16 review. I did Octopath 2. I really do a lot of RPG reviews, which is why <laughs> I'm also on Axe the Blood God uh, alongside Cad Bailey and Nadia Oxford, where we cover all the big RPGs of the day. Uh, it's fantastic. It's great. Uh, I love that podcast very much. I also have Normandy FM, which is currently on hiatus, but that is a podcast I co-host with Kenneth Shepard from Kotaku, where we do retrospectives on various different games. We started with Mass Effect, if you couldn't tell from the name Normandy FM, and then went on to Dragon Age and several other games like The Last of Us. And uh, most recently, we are now heading into Nier, which we're very excited about. Uh, we are planning out a Nier season, uh, both Replicant and Automata. So uh, look forward to that whenever we launch that season. That has been in the planning for a while. But yeah, no, I, 
it's the typical story of I'm in the media, so I have three different things that I do at all times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Check out all my main hustles and side hustles. Yeah. Can you guys yeah. can you guys do me a favor and play near reincarnation as well? Because I don't I don't think anyone has, and it would be nice to, to hear <laughs> that it's the mobile game. So I as a sicko am into this idea however my my dear co-host ken who already dislikes any amount of fluff in a game be it open world or just anything getting between him and what he wants in that video game it was a time watching him play breath of the wild oh yeah uh i okay i'm sorry ken if you're watching this you're just getting like aired out here but uh there was a point where Ken trying to finish Breath of the Wild was very much, I need to get from point A to point B. And he keeps trying to swim across this lake and drowning in it. And we're, we're telling him, me and, me and some other friends who are watching him play this on Discord, uh, we're like, just just go around the lake. And he's like, no, I need to get there the fastest way possible. He's just so dead set on like A to B is the shortest route that he is like, doing these wild cryonis jumps across the lake instead of just walking around it. And <laughs> we were just like, oh, no, no, you can't do this. This is not going to be a conducive environment for you to experience Breath of the Wild. But uh, yeah, with all that in mind, I don't think Ken would be wild about us playing a mobile game that I... Is reincarnation a gotcha game? Does it have gotcha mechanics? These are all questions I would love answered. By <laughs> oh, oh, so oh, you don't know. Right oh, this here. is this is a curiosity you want to know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna play it, and mm. I, as far as I know, no other near fan has played it. This is a this is a window for you guys. <laughs> this yeah. is an untapped market. With that in yeah. mind, watch maybe. it be secretly amazing. Look, no one knows, Marcus. That's the problem. <laughs> it could be. Well, Eric, thank you for joining us today. We're going to be talking about a lot of fun stuff. Pikmin 4, Battlebit Remastered, AEW Fight Forever, Final Fantasy 16, and uh, much more, actually. But let's go ahead and, and uh, get started, uh, since it is a packed show. Uh, Kyle, you've been playing Pikmin 4. I have been, yes. How and, is it? And Pikmin 1, weirdly. And Pikmin... You, yeah. Did you tweet the other day that apparently... Uh, he is married and has kids, Olimar. Yeah, I, that was that was the weird revelation. So, okay, real quick, I started Pikmin 1 just with the intention of like, I'm going to check this out. I've never really played it. I'm going to play the first yeah. hour. Let's see how this goes. And I ended up beating it. Like, I was like, oh, I, wow. I actually really you got it. an hour. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, a pro move. Um, but uh, yeah, and, he, and, and I guess maybe this is common knowledge because even in 4, Olimar talks about his family a little bit and stuff. But yeah, that was like a revelation for me at the end. He was like, ah, I can finally go home and see my family. And the last thing you get is this like piggy bank of money. And he's like, now that I have all my equipment, I can buy my kids some <laughs> some toys on the way home. I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't realize that's what we were. I thought we were just an explorer kind of chilling on some weird planet. But no, Olimar's a family, man. Wow. Good to know. How's four? That was that was the funny thing is like I I played I played two and three in the past played one for the first time like last week and now I'm diving into four, and um I can talk about like the first two levels, um okay. and it is it is really it is actually really nice to go from one right into four because one is pretty uh like janky like Pikmin don't really listen to you that well they get stuck mm. in corners all the time I'm just like dying Pikmin are dying in a lot of unfair ways in the original Pikmin. And four was just like, 
even though I've played two and three, I've, I've kind of forgotten those. So to go from one to four, it was like, oh my gosh, the Pikmin are listening to me so well. They're going exactly where I tell them to go. This They're is so wonderful. Obedient. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, like early impressions from like the first two areas are like, I, I'm really having a good time with it. It's uh, it like, I, and maybe maybe it's the sort of the me playing it against Pikmin one that's making me so positive. But like, it just sure. feels really good and it looks great. And you still have this sort of timer of like, uh, the days right. Like you could, you're only spending so much time in one area, but it seems that the uh the larger timeline like pikmin one you had 30 days and two and three sort of scaled back on that a lot that's that's completely gone like you can i have i have gone into levels done one thing and then ended the day and left and felt like fine about it you know i don't mm. feel like i'm wasting time or anything like that and then the other thing that it has that i i found i wasn't really sure what to ex, ex like think about it but the more i play the more i'm like oh I, I actually really like this it actually kind of makes me think of like lessons maybe nintendo has learned from shrines in breath of the wild and tears oh, of the kingdom okay. where it's like you'll find these underground areas just around and you drop into them and the idea is like just for reasons that like it's funny in the story they even kind of just hand wave it away they're like yeah time passes slower down there don't worry about it you when you're down there time passes at like one sixth the speed and we don't even understand why which i think is, is very funny <laughs> and um what they are is they're just like really dedicated little Pikmin adventures, right? They don't take super long. They're like, uh, it's not a big open area. It's like uh, mazes that you kind of have to work your okay. way through and find. And like you find the Pikmin you need down there usually. So it's like you don't really even have to prepare too much. So it's like while the day is passing, you're working on things in the overworld, you can just do this little you know side quest where it's just a dedicated pikmin gameplay and it's fun to like go around solve puzzles and pick up things and deliver those and then you pop back out in the overworld and like little if any have any time has passed you can get back to the sort of larger goal that you were pursuing before then uh and those those are frequent and like throughout and like i said they kind of they don't i wouldn't call them like shrines but it feels like the developers of pikmin 4 played breath of the wild and were like oh i like i like having this little gameplay section off to the side that you can go sort of interact with on your own time yeah and then, that's neat yeah and then oachi or ochi is the dog and uh he's great he's cool like he's cute he follows you around and then like at a certain point you can start riding him and what happens Ooh, is, when, is yeah. when you jump on him all the pikmin jump on the dog so rather oh, no. than having this like you know giant mass of pikmin following you around and worrying about if they're going to get stuck on the corners or anything like that you all just sort of clump onto this dog and it makes moving around like much more manageable and easier. And then the dog sort of is the same as like, depending on how you upgrade him. like up, I don't even know how many Pikmin he can account for, but if there's a thing that needs to be moved that takes 10 Pikmin, you can just throw your dog at it and he will just move it on his own. Oh. So he's, does... he's, kind, he's kind of like a really strong Pikmin that just you can ride that hangs out with you. How does that look visually? I'm picturing just a mass of just Pikmin, just like on a, big a ball bunch of spiders, on... yeah, and spider yeah. babies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> does it look like he's wearing like the rainbow like afro wig, like a clown, basically? For June, it looks like an afro wig, but just like sprouting tons of flowers. Like it's basically his whole hindquarters is just like a mass of flowers, and then your character that you customize is like sitting on top riding around and i've hit a point now where ochi learned how to swim 
So now I can even just jump on his back and like all my Pikmin will jump on his back and we'll like cross across, you know, lakes and rivers and stuff like that. Oh, that's a good boy. <laughs> that's a very good boy. I do have a question. You were such a proponent of Tinykin yes. last year Loved um, and actually got me to play it and, and I really enjoyed it. Um, does this, does Pikmin 4 have, I guess, the same weight now that you've played a game like Tinykin, which is like a really well executed uh, game inspired by Pikmin? Yeah, it's tricky because like ultimately Tinykin is a really solid, like surprisingly solid platformer. Like, I feel like that was mm-hmm. the thing that when you play Tinykin, you're like, oh my gosh, this feels so good. Like, this is, yeah. like, such a good platformer. And then you have the Tinykins with you, which functionally are like Pikmin. You just throw them at things to carry things. Mm-hmm. So it's it's almost like a platformer with some Pikmin elements, okay. where the Pikmin games are just, like, full on. It's about managing the number of Pikmin that you have and sort of getting them to do a bunch of tasks for you. Pure puzzles instead yeah. of... Yeah, I mean, or it's like... maybe even puzzles. Puzzle might be too strong. Yeah, it's yeah. more about, like, man... It's more strategy, but a type okay, of strategy yeah. that, like... Because I'm not a big strategy guy. I've never really gotten into a real-time strategy game. Even, like, stuff like XCOM isn't really my jam. But Pikmin yeah. is a is just friendlier, and, and it's less about, like, I have to be very specific as much as it's, like... Yeah, throw 10 Pikmin over there, throw five over there, grab those things over there. Oh, but and we'll meet up in five minutes and all that stuff will be delivered. And then I'll grab you and we'll go back and get some more stuff. And so Tinykin and Pikmin are very different genres. But yeah, the like tiny the thing that I loved about Tinykin is it did a really good job of taking the things I liked about Pikmin and removing all the things I didn't like about Pikmin, which is like yeah. timers and like limp like not arbitrary but limitations uh to the game that like will make it more of like uh you have to work with the pikmin right you can't jump as uh your character right like yeah. so you have to throw pikmin over ledges and stuff to grab stuff for you where tinykin gave you full autonomy like you could jump and run and glide on soap and then you also had quote unquote pikmin with you to help you with tasks so yeah like this this the pikmin 4 is more in line with typical Pikmin where it's like it's it's ultimately a strategy game sure, with yeah, with yeah. some action and like s- like s- puzzles but you're not really like jumping or leaping over gaps or anything like that like you were in Tiny King. I mean like I've you know I've only played the first couple hours of Pikmin 4 or I can only talk about like the first two levels so far but like I mean I do think I prefer Tinykin just because that's more my genre of like sure, directly yeah. controlling a character and jumping around and doing fun stuff uh, where Pikmin 4 is a different type of game. But, like, I I do really... I like it so far. Like, I never really considered myself a Pikmin fan, despite beating 2 and 3 and having a decent time with those. And then, like, last week when I played Pikmin 1 and ended up just, like, barreling through it and really enjoying it, I was like, I think it's time to admit to myself that I like Pikmin. Like, let's just, like, stop <laughs> pretending you're a Pikmin <laughs> fan. And then 4 has kind of cemented that already, where it's like, yeah, this is cool. This concept of having a big group of little creatures with you that you throw at your problems, that feels good, and it's got that Nintendo polish that's kind of undeniable where everything just yeah. looks wonderful and the localization is funny and weird. I found a um, I found a Game Boy Advance SP like out yeah, in the world. Yeah, I've never seen that in the trailer. Yeah, hmm. and like that's that's just fun stuff. Like, And you can throw Pikmin at it, and they take it to your little ship, and then you actually analyze it later, and it gives it a weird name. It calls it a Stone of Advancement. And like that's like <laughs> that's such a a thing that I I really like that's just really charming and small where it's like you find all these recognizable human things in the world 
But then yeah. the game like gives them such strange, weird names because the idea is like they're aliens trying to figure out what this thing is. And so yeah. at the end of every level, I do go and look through the list and be like, oh, what did they call that like rubber ball that I found or that little canister of paint or something like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, I wish That's I knew funny. more of the names off the top of my head. But but yeah, very charming so far. Enjoying Pikmin 4 so far. Yeah. Awesome. Eric, I know you're a, a big tactics and strategy sicko. I am. Uh, is Pikmin 4, is that a game that, that you're interested in? Uh, I actually love Pikmin 1 and 2. Uh, oh, I have awesome. somewhere behind me on that shelf there uh, both a Nintendo GameCube and hard copies of Pikmin 1 and 2. Please don't find my address to steal them. Um, yeah, those and, are really valuable these days. Yeah. Oh, no, I've got a lot of GameCube. Look, I'm, I'm low-key. I've got a lot of really good game. I got that Master Quest. I've got that. Like, oh, I wow. got some good stuff. I didn't let go of my GameCube stuff. Um, my PS2, that's a different story. But I really like Pikmin 1 and 2. I never got around to 3. I, I forget why. I think it was on a platform that I just didn't have at the time. Oh, Wii U. Yeah, yeah. Didn't have sure. a Wii U. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, that, that one. Yeah, you know. Who who can forget where their Wii U is? Not me. But uh, Pikmin 4, part of me is like, yes, I do want to play this. Part of me is also seeing the ways in which they are making it approachable. And I appreciate that. But I kind of want the sicko stuff for me personally. It's funny. I was actually uh, I'm going to light up all the people in my life on this podcast. I was talking to my dad. My dad loved the first Pikmin when he played it originally on GameCube. And so when the Switch versions came out, I let him know. And I was talking to him on the phone the other day. And he was telling me about how he was getting the blue onion to get the blue Pikmin. Right. And it took him forever. But he finally figured it out on day 28. And so day uh, 30 comes oh along God. and he launches off into the air, does not leave the planet. And I'm like heartbroken. I'm like, oh, no, my dad's going to be like, I just don't think this is for me anymore. Instead, he's like, I'm really excited now because I'm going to restart a run and go back. And now I can get that blue onion on like day five or however fast I can get there. And I'm like, dad's a true gamer. But also <laughs> uh, it, it just reminded me like that's kind of what the appeal of Pikmin 1 and 2 was for me was that idea of encouraging failure as a way to kind of learn from your mistakes and continue to optimize it almost weirdly like teaches you to speed run in a way that it's like hey you're going to learn how to get all these different items and complete all these different challenges and then you're going to get faster and then you're going to get more efficient and now you're going to start thinking parallel where you're like i'm not going to spend just a whole day getting pikmin but i'm going to spend a whole day farming up red pikmin while i'm taking my blue pikmin to go get this underwater thing that i need to get and and you start doing all that stuff and that's how you kind of get through a pikmin game and i'm worried that the more they lean into this sort of like oh like i think i missed it earlier but there's no time limit on this one correct is is there no day limit on this one as near as i can tell there's no day yeah. I think they they might have started doing that with Pikmin three. Too. Yeah, I, I, I again, I did not play two, Pikmin three. Yeah. So, yeah, now it's it's funny that you say that. Like I, and it's just a matter of like perspective and what you like about games and stuff like that. That's what I don't like about Pikmin one because the way it teaches you to fail is like you're screwed halfway into this game and you have to start over. And and that I don't like that. Like that's not fun. Like that's like I don't failure is so. I don't want to replay the game multiple times. I just want to play it once, you know? <laughs> and so, like, that that drove me crazy about Pikmin 1. I actually, like, overcame it for this playthrough, but that was when I first played it for the first time. That's what I hated so much about it. 
getting like 10, 12 days into the game and realizing it's like, this isn't going to happen. So I just have to restart that. I don't know. I, it's all perspective. It's all what you like and don't like about game. I don't want to be trained to speed run a game. I just want to have the experience. You know? And and y'all are right. Like the, the day limit thing. I just checked this um, was only a really a thing in, in Pikmin one, two, I ditched okay. it three. I had some weird system that I'm reading about right now that, i'm sure it makes sense in terms of the game and and four also does not have a strict time limit so that's that's fair it's not there more often than it's there but i i think to to wrap it back around is that i would hope that a lot of the things that i like about pikmin the sort of like surprise punishing difficulty the way that like i i love moments where for the first time you lead a bunch of red pikmin into water and they all die and you're like (laughs) Oh, we, oh, ghost. we are, we are <laughs> yeah. so different because that was like heartbreaking to me and also set me back so much that I was like, I am not having fun anymore. And I just murdered <laughs> a, a swath of Pikmin. That's so funny that you were like, yeah. Well, yeah, look, this is why I am this way, okay? This, I know that certain people are broken in certain ways, and that's just how I'm broken. Yeah. One of to the be ways clear, I, I'm not. I'm just calling out our difference of opinion. You are not broken. Everyone no, gets different things out of games. I think you're telling our guests that they, they're wrong, <laughs> uh-huh. actually. It's okay. I only get stronger when I'm wronger, you know? That's what I've always said. <laughs> always double down when you're wrong. Exactly. That's <laughs> yeah. what I always say. That's what Twitter is far in politics. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to tweet through this. Yeah. Marcus, uh, any interest in Pikmin 4? Yeah, I've only ever played Pikmin 1, and I came to that a little late. I played that on the Wii, so I managed to get a GameCube copy before they became obscenely expensive because it was just the previous gen at the time. And I beat it, and I remember being afraid of the time limits. I remember I had friends that kind of like this discussion, like some of them love it, some of them hate it. And I wound up being more on the uh, liking it side, where it was definitely like, I had the fear of God put in me of like, okay, oh, they're not kidding about like, I got a month to make all of this happen. But I, I wound up getting into like a good rhythm where like, I actually, like on my first run, I, you know, I pulled it off with some time to spare. And I kind of liked that. Like, I like that challenge of feeling like, okay, I'm really am stranded on this planet or whatever. And I need to do this as well as I can. And then it, it, it added enough tension that was like exciting to me in a way to like get better. And yeah. it's funny because, like, I've never played two. I have a copy of three. Like, I've had three on Wii U f- almost since launch, and I just have never played it. <laughs> like, I could technically just boot up my Wii U and play it any time. Um, so I've never played Pikmin without that time limit. That's just so embedded in my mind. So I'm kind of excited to play it just to see the difference. So, yeah, I am excited for Pikmin 4. I think this will be the one that I, I guess, make my return to this series. So yeah, I'm I'm interested. I'll I'll check it out for sure. Nice. Yeah, I I feel like Pikmin would definitely be one of those games that I really enjoy. But Pikmin One, which is the mo- the opportunity uh, that I would have played the game because it's on GameCube um, and I was a big GameCube head. Uh, but it came out five months after Animal Crossing, uh, and Animal Crossing number one. I could only afford like a couple games a year. And by the time I purchased Animal Crossing, it was like in the summertime and I was still going strong on that. And so any other game that released that year on on GameCube was kind of just ignored by me. So I, I missed the I missed the Pikmin train and uh, 
And yeah, so I I, I have a curiosity to check out four. I, I like the idea of the game, I think. Uh, whether or not I'll like it and its execution is, is another thing. But yeah, I played Tiny Can off of Kyle's recommendation last year. Really loved it. And uh, granted, I did love the platforming. But even like the, the little management of, of the Tiny Can was was fun and I liked like the different um you know unique properties that each had. So I feel like that kind of primed me to at least try Pikmin 4 um and hopefully enjoy it. But uh yeah, good 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 start in Pikmin 4 by the way. I can't exp- I can't go into detail on it, but like okay. Like you're going to know if you want to keep going pretty early on, which is nice cuz Pikmin is a game that has to tell you a lot of stuff if that makes sense, mm. you know. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. is a lot of tutorialization, but they do a, pr- a pretty good job of it like kind of pushing a lot of that tutorialization back and like mm. letting you get a strong start. So, so that's nice. I appreciate that. Uh, Marcus, I want to hear about the game of the week, AW fight forever. Yeah. Uh, out today. as we're recording. Also, before we start, I got sent a DM while this game was still in its review period. Okay. And there's evidently a game informer Easter egg in it. You know, I didn't want to, because I was like, I, this isn't going to sound like bragging, but I there's a very good chance that I am directly responsible for that. Because a couple of years ago, I interviewed Aubrey Edwards for like a big feature because uh, she's like pretty much the most popular referee in yeah. AEW. She's been there since day one. I actually wrestled her first match not terribly long ago. Um, but she also used to be in the game industry for like 10 years prior to wrestling. Like she worked on the Scribblenauts franchise for a oh, while. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, which was like the focus of my feature was like her career in games and how she transitioned to wrestling. And she did, uh, I'm not working this game directly as far as I know, but she was involved sort of in it. So like, and we had her on the game of show too. I don't know if you remember if you were on that episode. I don't think I was. Um, so between that and then talking to Kenny Omega earlier, she, I'm like, did I do this somehow? <laughs> Cause why <laughs> would they reference us? Um, Basically, there's a joke in the game where you go to a restaurant in Minneapolis, and the restaurant is called Grub Informer, and they serve Juicy <laughs> Lucy's because you know it's like the Minnesota mm. thing. Uh, so yeah, it was definitely like a huh, <laughs> okay, yeah, that's funny, yeah. Um, yeah. but yes, AEW Fight Forever, a game that has been in development almost as long as AEW has been a, a company, it was announced in uh late 2020, AEW <clears throat> broke into the scene in 2019. And the big thing about this game that they've been uh, shouting from the rooftops since it was announced was like, hey, remember No Mercy and like those old WCW games, like those Aki developed games that everyone to this day still holds as like some of the best wrestling games ever made. Yeah, we're going to do that, you know, Uh, which is a great selling point. I've always wanted something either like that or or just more arcadey in general because, you know, the WWE games, especially the 2K games are like okay in their own right, but they're very simulation heavy and the control schemes tend to be pretty dense. They've gotten better with those with the last two games that they've done of like scaling back on that a bit to make it a little bit more pick up and play friendly for, you know, to its benefit. But I've always just wanted like a real competitor in the space that just did something different. And, you know, AEW being the perfect sort of brand for that because in real life, they're like the first viable competition to WWE in North America since WCW. So for them to sort of like, hey, we're going to do take that same approach of like being the direct uh, alternative in video games. 
Uh, I'll say, so my review is up. I gave it a 6.25 out of 10. And, re- and a lot of that score on the positive end is pretty much for the gameplay, where I think it does, for the most part, succeed in that uh, promise of making a fun arcade-style experience. Like, it feels so much more pick-up-and-play friendly. It doesn't feel nearly as dense. Like, all you got to do to do, like, a big move is grab a guy and hit an attack plus a direction. You're going to do, like, a suplex or something cool. Um, The combat system is based more on momentum. So, like, the more damage you do, you build up a finisher, and you you unlock uh, your signature or your finisher. And you can only have one at a time. You're not storing, like, five of them, like, in some WWE games. So, it's like... And then you lose it if you take too much damage. So it sort of encourages you to stay on offense. And then if you start getting the crap kicked out of you, then you're like, oh, the finisher I just worked so hard on is gone. And then if you're the person like taking away people's finishers because you beat them up so bad, it feels real good. And hitting finishers, it's easy. Like literally just like flick the right stick and you just do a finisher. And you're like, oh, perfect. <laughs> like this is just, this feels so much snappier. And like the pace of the matches just feels faster and, and matches can go quicker. Uh, there's no like weird mini games for like pinning or submissions. You just like mash the buttons, which is what I've always preferred because one, it's more fun. And also to me, it just feels more true to like the real life product, like stopping a ball in a little meter. It's like, that doesn't feel like wrestling. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, it, I will say, uh, so like the gameplay feels pretty good. It's not without some hangups. Like I think some of the, the opponent AI is hit and miss, especially in tag team matches. Like whenever I did a tag team match, I never tag in my partner because they're AI controlled and I don't trust them. So it's like <laughs> basically a handicap match and they're lucky to be there. Um, the game, one of the biggest problems I have with the game uh, is that even though it plays really well, it does a really bad job teaching you how to play it. Uh, there's no tutorial, like a formal tutorial doesn't exist, which is a problem because I think one of the best things WWE games and really fighting games as a whole recently have done really well is like onboarding players with like in-depth tutorials that just guide you through like, here's all the important things to know and why you would want to do it. The WWE 2K this year, you know, like you don't even, the moment you boot up the game for the first time, you have to finish a tutorial before they even let you do anything, which is to its benefit because again, there's a lot to sort of like keep in mind. Uh, and this game, even though it's simplified, there's still some important things like targeting multiple opponents when, you know, you're facing more than two people or like even things like, uh, God, like exiting the ring or or going over the top. Like, like there's a move list that teaches some essential stuff, but it doesn't teach everything. And then the only alternative to that is like, there's tool tips that pop up when you do something for the first time or you're about to do something. So like, oh, I'm going to play a triple threat. And then little text bot goes up saying, hey, you're in a triple threat. Just so you know, this is what this match is. Which, as a wrestling fan, it, it, that's not helpful. It's like, yeah, I know what a triple threat match is. Um, but, like, it doesn't teach you, like, well, how do I change targets? And, like, it's it sets to auto-targeting, which I'm going to say right now, if you're playing, go into the options and change the manual because the auto-targeting is just terrible. Like, it does a bad job. We're like, <laughs> I want to look at this guy right now. And then you kind of have to, like shuffle yourself in a way where you hope that your head will snap to that person otherwise you're gonna be beating up somebody else that you don't want to beat up so just go change the manual um and then the tooltips aren't even really consistent especially in the story mode where i'm gonna keep bringing up targeting because it was such an issue but like i played multiple tag team matches in a row which is again since there's two opponents you're facing i need to be able to switch to 
one or the other anytime. And then it, it didn't tell me how to do that until I got my first like fatal four way. And then it was like, oh, this is how you target. And I was like, oh, what about all the like three tag matches that like I would I need to know that for these? Why didn't it pop up for that? Uh, so there's gonna be a lot of bumbling around a little bit. But uh, I, as much as I enjoy the gameplay, I think everything else in the game just feels really underbaked and just shallow. And it's just there's just not enough there. Uh, you know, I should point out that this game has a sixty dollar price tag. And it does not feel like a $60 price. I know like value in games is subjective. Um, and I usually don't take that into account with my review. But I actually, I looked it up. So I was like, this feels like, is this going for like 30 or 40? Because it just feels like it should be. <laughs> it's like, no, they're going all the way. Or maybe not all the way. Because 70, I guess, is all the way. But close enough. Uh, so like, there's not a ton of modes, not a ton of match types. There's like singles, tags. Triple threats, fatal four ways, ladder matches, no cage matches, so no blood and guts. Uh, the only AEW staples are like Casino Battle Royal and uh, uh, Exploding Barbed Wire Deathmatch, which they do a pretty good job of recreating. But other than that, the only other re real diversion are these weird mini games that they have where, like, I'm like there's one where you, it's like a Simon Says rhythm game where you're just like, following prompts as pentagon is dancing and then you got like a row of wrestlers trying to match his movements and it's like whoever does the highest score wins there's one where you're um you're outside of <laughs> you're out, like four people are outside of the ring and there's gas barrels in the ring and you've got propane tanks and you're just throwing propane in the ring and you're trying to see who can blow up the most tanks uh this is realistic like actually this is the most realistic part of the game right here that's how real wrestlers train yeah if you watched dynamite last night mm -hmm. they did this mm -hmm. uh, but uh yeah it's just weird stuff like that that it's like kind of funny but also it's it, once you do it once you'll never want to do it again basically because it's like why because they're not like great uh and so like that's there but other than that the only other big mode is a story mode called road to elite and even that is that's probably maybe one of the most disappointing packages is like the idea is you play as either an AEW wrestler or your creative wrestler, which we'll get into that in a little bit. And you play one calendar year roughly of AEW where you start at double or nothing, which is like their biggest show of the year, and then you end at next year's double or nothing. And it's a sixteen week campaign because AEW only has four pay per views a year. So you go four weeks, get to the next show, all in all. And in between uh, matches on Dynamite, which is their weekly show, you're kind of encouraged to do these like other things like, hey, you need to go to the gym to work out because if you work out, you'll get stat points. And, you know, there's three different types of workouts like you can go light or heavy. And, you know, the higher you go, the more risk there is for injury, which injuries mean nothing because you could just go to the hospital and just pay some money and then you're fine. A GTA um, style. All right. It, exactly uh funny enough i had a moment where i started the the mail campaign as cm punk you know the man of the hour right now if you follow AEW, and uh got my first match in the battle royal got eliminated immediately because i was still learning the controls and he had taught me important things 
And then I went to the gym for my first like TV debut and then immediately got injured because I guess I worked out too hard. And then I had to go to the hospital. And I was like, this is a great start for my my career. <laughs> it's like I lost my first match and now I'm injured. You got to start at the floor so you can go up. It's important to like lower expectations early so then you can exceed them later. Yeah. That's, uh, a, that's yeah. a good point. That's what I told you. That's how I do everything in life. <laughs> does, does this feel, is at least feel like a good like a solid first attempt right assuming there'll be iterations and sequels and stuff like that it's like this seems like a sign of you know there are places to improve where the sequel could be a big jump up do you, do you see anything like that yeah uh, i guess it depends on how well this sells um true the game like i said the gameplay has a great foundation everything else needs a lot of work right um, okay like again this story mode again which they've been pushing heavily is like this is like the thing guys you're gonna love this and it's like it is so bland. It is so it's quick. First and foremost, Ron like, Howard, Arrested quickly. Development narrator, is like they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's like you're playing through these really abbreviated versions of old storylines. Because again, there's some cobwebs in this game. Like this feels like AEW circa early 2022 with some of the roster choices and the storylines they choose to include. We're like, oh, this is still a thing. We we're way past this in real life. Why is this even being? reference and it wasn't even maybe that great at the time and also one of the weird things that I, I was like upsetting was um the woman's storyline if you can call it that so like i played as a as cm punk got through the story started a new one as ruby soho to see how it changed and for the first month you, you you're playing like a woman's division centric story where like i won the woman's title on my first or like second night and then you're fighting women, and I defended the title. And then immediately after the first, like, um, pay-per-view, it defaulted back to the male storyline where I was only wrestling the men. Because in this game, they let you uh, do intergender matches for everything, which is cool. Even though I, it's probably because the female roster is significantly less than, like, there's 13 mm-hmm. women in the game, including Aubrey Edwards, who's a referee. And there's, like, 36 guys. And most of the DLC characters are guys. Like, there's only one new uh, lady coming. So you're like... That's weird, especially because there's plenty of women in AEW they could use. Um, but yeah, the the story mode just goes, oh yeah, you get a it, it like it's like a bait and switch. We're like, oh yeah, women's story, here's kids, and then just kidding, you're gonna do all the man stuff again. Like same storylines, same matches. Like I never wrestled another female again after <laughs> the first few weeks. And with no explanation as to like, is there a reason why I'm only doing this? I, I became the male world champion by the end of it, which is what happens. Mm regardless Did and it, it still said like male world champion on it too so you could be like a double belt holder at that point I, like, I was a triple belt holder triple by belt the end because the only other belt you can compete for is the ftw championship which fun fact is not even a recognized championship in aew it's kind of like a gimmick belt so instead of using the other belts that are legitimate they picked that one <laughs> which was a weird choice hmm. um but yeah, and it's funny because even though I won the male world title, the game barely had, it could barely remember that I was the women's champion. Because there were times where my character would refer to another lady as the champ, but I was like, I, I, I'm the champ. I, I haven't <laughs> lost the belt. That me. <laughs> That's me. Uh, so yeah, that just felt like such a, a bizarre bait and switch. It'd be easier if they just didn't even do that first part with the women and just said like, no, we only have one linear story. You can just play it as a male or woman, but you're only going to be fighting men. But the sort of, it felt like they started to make a woman's story and then gave up and were like, I don't know, just fill the rest of it with the stuff we already did for the guys. Who cares? Yeah, it just uh, sounds messy, you know, yeah, just kind of yeah. like, yeah, just too bad. 
Yeah, and outside of that, the creation stuff isn't great. Like, the creation suit is so bare bones. There's no, like... I'm not expecting all the bells and whistles that the WWE 2K has when it comes to creating a wrestler, which, you know, is a lot, for a lot of people the most fun part about wrestling games because they tend yeah. to have the most, like, robust character creators of, like, any game series out there. Like, people spend so much time either recreating real-life wrestlers or, like, characters from other fiction or just weird versions of themselves. And you can't really do that here because you have, like, a sliver of the options like there's no facial sculpting there's only like six or eight preset faces so you're everyone's gonna look pretty similar there's no like custom designs there's there's not even like regular in-game designs that you can like paste on the tights so everyone's gonna be wearing plain tights basically that are like a solid color there's no like gradients really there's just the clothing options are super limited and some of the slots are filled up with assets that existing wrestlers use. So you're like, I guess I'll just wear Kenny Omega's tights, even though those are his thing, <laughs> you know? Uh, it, it, there's just so, so little there that it was like, I made like two people and was like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> Where normally I would spend so much time in there just seeing what kind of weird stuff he can make, right? Yeah, there's just, that's like the biggest thing with this game. It's just like, there's just not enough. It's just super shallow. Again, I think it plays well. But between, like, the somewhat, like, the roster's decent, but it is lacking, and Grand Bay UW has a massive roster, and there's some characters on the way. But, like, I, I just, it just needs more. They have, mm. they, they, they've nailed mostly the gameplay promises they were going for, but everything else just has to catch up to it. Well, thank you, Marcus, uh, for, I know a lot of our listeners are big wrestling fans, and you are our wrestling correspondent here uh gi mm-hmm. so thank you for man on the street man yeah man the on ring. the street man in the yeah. ring yeah yeah, yeah. Ma- man on the bouncy is is the ring bouncy is that Ooh. well that when, they... Hard. when they when <laughs> they when they when they, they, when they, they bounce they yeah when they hit it they bounce. that's because there's like 200 plus pound men falling but all right just to get into this i know that's a myth <laughs> that the ring is bouncy but the ring is actually solid like wooden boards okay with like a thin padding like very thin padding on top so you're bouncing on like wood planks it's got like a little give but it's not like people think it's a mattress or a bouncy house or like but people that ever fall in it for the first time they are like oh that hurt like hell (laughs) it hurts basically like falling on the ring they bounce so much though are wrestlers just naturally bouncy is that what's going on like (laughs) well usually they're falling from like a great high or also they're just really heavy thick guys like it's gonna it has some give it's not like a rock but it's not as much give as people think that it is. Mm, Interesting. Yeah. Huh. That thing hurts. <laughs> All right. You heard it here first. Wrestling hurts. Wrestling hurts. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about a game uh, called Battle Bit Remastered. Yeah, I'm curious about this. Uh, that Eric actually got me into. Eric is is the one who... He's a little sicko. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. But... <laughs> It's currently the number one game on Steam. It has been for number two or so. It's been in the top charts for a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so effectively, it is a low poly battlefield game, um, like classic battlefield level lo- levolution, all the stuff. I, well, levolution is trademarked, I think. So uh, they blow buildings up, um, and the and the characters <laughs> look like Roblox characters. I just pulled up yes. the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is not a Roblox game. This is a standalone 
release made by primarily three people. Um, and it is a class-based 256-player multiplayer game, warfare game, vehicles, different classes, a suite of weapons. Now, it's Battlefield. Real quick, it's called Battlebit Remastered. So is Battlebit an older game? I I was this is like... looking into this. I sh- I should have had this pulled up, but I believe the original Battlebit was like a web game or something. Someone was was telling me this the other day that like there was an official Battlebit, but yeah, Battlebit Remastered is the the 254 player. Well, up to 254, and then like there's also you could do 64 v 64 or 32 v 32 if you want. Um, you know, if you don't want massive amounts of players, if if you don't want that, I don't know why you would do that. Come on, yeah. like, are you saying that this is the new Mag? Mag is back. I think this oh, is God. the new Battlefield. Weirdly enough, because like look we can all be honest with ourselves here that battlefield you know has not been in a great place for a while <laughs> i will never forgive the betrayal of doing that ngt for what was the last one 20 something <laughs> it was 20, battlefield 2142 20... right or no yeah like no 2142 sh- is the future one this was 2042 right the one yeah, the one that yeah. last came out that people didn't yeah, like yeah. um we did that NGT with Dan. We Tack. did the stream, the live stream with Dan, and we went in expecting tornadoes because that was like the big selling point. Yeah. We played for three hours, almost three hours. No tornadoes. Not a single tornado. Wow. No tornado whatsoever. <laughs> we were just doing like me dying basically and Dan laughing, but we just got no tornadoes, and I'll never forgive them for that. So, like, look, I I will be the first to tell you that I did enjoy the tornadoes, but I think the real appeal of Battlebit is it's simplicity and i don't mean that just in terms of it being like a roblox low poly thing i mean that it's just a battlefield like you just hop in and you load up and you pick your class and your loadout and you start running around and capping points and shooting people when you shoot enough people with your gun you get like new sites that you can load on new attachments new gadgets uh it's it feels very Battlefield 2. It feels like I've been warped back in time to all those hours I put into Battlefield 2 of just leveling those guns up, unlocking stuff for different classes. There's no... uh, Right now, the only transaction you can make aside from buying the game is buying a supporters pack. So you can buy an extra thing that's just cosmetic if you want to support the game. But when I boot that game up, it's not like... Here's your battle pass. Here's your daily quests to undertake. You need to play three matches as recon and, you know, destroy two enemy equipment with this. And I I wrote about this on Destructoid, but like that was weirdly freeing to me because I am genuinely at the point where I get really sick of seeing any multiplayer game do battle pass stuff uh, because it feels like every time I log on to that game, I have to do chores. I have to do busy work in order to like justify the time that I'm spending in that game. So I can't just open Overwatch and play a couple matches and call it a day. If I'm playing Overwatch, I need to make sure I'm doing my daily so I get the things that I need for battle pass progression so I can get closer to that skin I want. And Having a game that's just like, look, go do stuff in the game. You'll get points. You'll level up. You'll get more stuff for it. And and when you're done, just disconnect from the match. You don't even need to wait for the match to end. Just bounce when you're done with it. And it's so freeing in a way that I don't remember shooters being for, for such a long time that 
I've been really enjoying it. And then the game's good too. Like it's got that Levolution stuff. I love playing the the RPG class, uh, the the engineer, because I I'll see a bunch of dudes in a house all hold up and they'll be shooting from the windows and stuff, and I'll be like, oh, okay. And I'll shoot a rocket at it and just like blow a hole in the building. And now they're all exposed and my whole team is like firing in there. But then we take that building and then five minutes later, we're trying to hold it against somebody. I'm like, what jerk put a giant hole in the side of this? Oh, that was, that was me. I did that. Okay. (laughs) There's also some kind of new twists that there that I don't remember battlefield ever having where you can based on your, your squad points. Cause if you've never played a battlefield game, the the 128 player team is divided into like 25 squad like i I don't know the exact number but many squads uh and like a squad is like eight people up to eight i think i think it's around that number something around there yeah 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 yeah. and so the better your squad does and the more things you do you get squad points and in this game you can use that to call in air support you can use it to um purchase sandbags to like set up mm-hmm. like let's say you are holding that 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 building that has a giant hole in it you can like fortify it with uh, and like anybody on the i think anybody on the team can do it yes and so like you can kind of have like this like on the fly cover system it's not like fortnite i don't want to paint the wrong picture like it's not like you're you're building all over the place but like you can put down fortifications uh that that uh you know give you an advantage based on um you know if you use it effectively yeah Um, that Uh, part's really fun battlefield 2 had some similar ideas where you would have a commander character um and i do remember the commander that commander could call in stuff like supply drops and things like that so you do have some things there like that this does feel a little bit paired back in some in some interesting ways to be clear uh they don't have parachutes in this game right now which normally you'd be like wait battlefield game no parachutes um so the only way to get out of a helicopter safely is uh the pilot has to drop rappel lines for the infantry to to come down on uh i don't know if this is an intentional design choice or not but i actually think it's brilliant because if you've played battlefield any amount of time you know that helicopters will just kind of like crop dust an area and then like guys will just jump out and parachute down and all that but now the helicopter has to kind of like pause over a point and everybody has to rappel down and then everybody gets out and the helicopter takes off. And that like moment of tension right there, right? It's it's like you know, Black Hawk Down or something like that, where you where you have that moment where like people are kind of repelling, the helicopter's having to like sit still, and you just know like one dude with an RPG in the right aim He's, could just like yeah. wipe them all like that. No, I, I yeah, I, I pulled up a battle bit trailer too. I haven't I haven't touched this at all to be clear, but it looks it looks like, and you guys please confirm for me that like the sort of polygonal polygonal sort of visual identity of the game looks like it makes it run really smooth oh yeah i was gonna say that like it looks super fast yeah yeah um it runs buttery smooth on my computer uh and obviously it helps with you know it's 127 on 127 like there's so many like people on the field at any given time if you are playing like the highest player count that like Mm -hmm. having that is really appreciated but I've never really had too many. The only time it stutters for me is when I open the scoreboard for the first time in each match. Cause then it's like, yeah. Oh, Oh, we got to open up a lot of data all at once. It's like oh, opening sure. the largest Excel spreadsheet you've ever seen. Uh, but then besides that, it runs really smooth. I found it 
feels very fair. Like there, there's a lot of times you'll get kind of picked off by a sniper from a ways off, but everybody can pick each other up in this game. Uh, there's a lot of good ways for for teams to kind of cooperate and work together, uh, hold a building like we were the other night, uh, yelling at that one dude to turn his flashlight off because we you yes. can play day maps and night maps as well. So there's day and night variations of each map. And we were holding a building uh, at night and it was. It and was, to be clear, this building was almost like half the building was open face. Yes. This point. Yeah. Like, it was being destroyed while we were inside it and we were trying to like shoot out of the windows to try and take out this enemy force that was encroaching on us from all sides. It was great. There, there were times where like one person was on the staircase, just like blasted people that were coming up while other people were poking out of the windows and trying I to shoot sniping. distant enemies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I had a rocket and was trying to like take out some of the dudes in windows across the way from us. Uh, and Jesse, yeah, Jesse Vitelli, Prima games friend of the show specifically screaming i mean all of us at one point were but at one point he was screaming turn your flashlight off and there goes jesse that's your flashlight (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah yeah so the the best part that we should bring up here is that this game has local chat and it also has public local chat which includes enemies which includes dead enemies and dead allies uh and it has led to just some of the most Xbox 360 era moments I have had <laughs> in gaming in recent memory where uh, someone who could say who would do such a thing would blast Michelle branches everywhere into the mic <laughs> while lying dead in the middle of a battlefield. Who would do such a thing? I can't imagine. I, I can't no, imagine yes, what yes, smart, no. attractive video game journalist might do that in the middle of a battle bit <laughs> remaster match. But uh it's it's really fun and i will also say i know like people hear xbox 360 open voice chat you know yeah, that some other up, uh... other things come to mind uh and i will say in my experience there's like every time you load into a match there's a thing where you say like i agree to not like say any hateful stuff to like be a chill player and i've also noticed both cheaters and like people you know saying bad stuff in chat or in voice just getting ban hammered in the middle of match just immediately like that. So I've been Which surprised. That's, that's on the community, I guess, right? It's a little bit on the community. I think moderators are also pretty good and they're also pretty like quick to render judgment, especially if it's obvious. So I'm guessing they probably have some sort of like decent stuff for tracking that. But it's been really nice to see. And also, I think weirdly enough, it's not like Final Fantasy 14 levels, but I think the community is on a level of like we're enjoying this slice of this era and we don't want to ruin it by having someone just jump in and and be a jerk so there's a little bit of self-policing going on as well like we last night we were having some weird diatribe about this dude who was like oh my wife me and my wife just don't get along anymore and stuff like that and people were like it's okay just stop just stop talking to people. It'll be all right. And just like going in weird directions on text chat and all that while in the middle of a battlefield, keep this in mind. And stop talking to people. Yeah, no, it was, it was that weird. Like, like I I'm, I'm sanitizing a bit of this for the GI show, but it was going in all kinds of weird directions, but it stayed like largely wholesome 
and fine and nobody was like getting out of pocket so it was really nice to see that like there's a level of the community wants to have fun wants to meme and joke around and stuff like that but doesn't want to like take it too far um, i wonder if the the presentation has anything to do with like sort of engendering a more like chill feeling because like looking at it like i'm not a huge battlefield guy i'm not even a huge multiplayer shooter guy uh, mm. but like looking at it is like oh i want to play it is just because it looks goofy and dumb even if it is channeling the same sort of like chaos of battlefield like just looking at dumb little like Blocks. minecraft looking dudes yeah. Yeah. shoot each other just makes me laugh because of just how absurd it looks and it automatically feels more inviting and it makes me not take it as seriously i guess right or it's like it's just yeah. like look at, look at what we're doing right now like look how dumb this looks yeah. guys like just calm calm down this isn't like hyper realism where you're like oh my god like i'm in iraq fighting terrorists and this yeah it's like super no it's i mean it's like <laughs> effectively like a bunch of kids smashing legos together mm -hmm. you know yeah mm -hmm. it's like i i that's that i actually like a lot like it makes me want to check this out more so than like I don't, like a hyper realism version of this or just like any given battlefield yeah like another game that might have come out this week um but i i i really love the the local voice chat stuff it's i haven't had any toxicity like at all that i've come across uh, which has been granted i've only played like a few days but uh it's just like a bunch of people like role playing and you know joking around and and just being dumb um and it's a lot of fun lying yeah. behind a rock yelling help me trash pandicoot <laughs> yeah yeah oh, does it have a absurd do you have like death throws when you get down like in battle fever just like help me uh yes well so you you have a death mic option that you can turn on or off anytime so you will hear enemies as they go down if they're near you and also your mic can go hot for everybody uh you can opt into that if you want which is and since it's very funny and since everyone can revive you as well i find that i actually get like a revived a lot more in this game than i do in yeah and yeah. like battlefield 2042 like it's like okay if i actually like sit here for a second and like ask for help on voice chat somebody is probably going to come up and try to revive me it's also like you know it's a ticket battlefield ticket system is the mm -hmm. gameplay so mm -hmm. like every like and a ticket is like um uh, associated with like you know your life or whatever if that, if people haven't played battlefield before it's like one life equals one ticket um and since there's so many people on the battlefield you go through like you go through them pretty quick and so you're incentivized to like wait to be picked up so you don't get rid of a ticket um and that's kind of how like you win or lose it's it's funny hearing you guys talk about this and i'm like ah oh, man battlefield must be like watching this and like kicking themselves it's like oh we should do something like this and i'm like Oh, they they did actually. Battlefield Heroes was kind of <laughs> yeah. like like lower poly to make it run on more machines and stuff like that, but which didn't really connect in a big way. But uh, that's gotta be frustrating for folks like Battlefield to see something like this really taken off. You know? Yes, and also like I do think a large part of this, like again, what makes it so appealing, at least to me, is that it's not this super monetized, super like built to built to create like a live service machine with which to like sustain itself and granted that's like you know a battlefield team has to has to make their paychecks has to like get paid at the end of the day whereas this is just three developers uh, making their thing and selling it for 15 bucks a pop but like 
I think this does show that there's so much to do with this genre and that these kinds of games originally were kind of only the purview of the big companies, the big publishers who could afford to make these giant games. And now you have a team that is putting this stuff together and making it work. And it's really exciting to see. And, and yeah, it's not as like feature rich as like 2042 is there's not fighter jets or anything like that in there right now. And I kind of like it more for that. Like it's relative simplicity again is like very refreshing where I get to just focus on the things that I enjoy about battlefield and not constantly play that game of like, okay, uh, I've got all this different equipment. I've got all these different things. I should be going here to do this. And I've got to like make sure I'm talking to my squad comms and then going into like all these different vehicles and how they operate. And like, here's a tornado, I guess. And (laughs) I guess (laughs) if you're lucky. Yeah. If you're lucky, um, (laughs) skill issue, you know, but, (laughs) uh, yeah, I just, it's, I, it, it sounds so reductive to just say like, it's a good time. You just boot it up and have a good time. But I do find increasingly like that's a difficult thing to have in multiplayer games these days. There's so many, yeah. it feels like barriers to wanting to just play the game because they need to gamify your engagement with it in some way. And here it's just like, go play battlefield. Like it's, it's there, go have fun in the sandbox we made. And I really enjoy it for that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I recommend it. I uh, just like it's one of those games where like sitting here talking about it on the show. All I want to do right now is go and boot up Battlebit, remastered. Yeah, yeah. Um, which you know, not every game that we talk about on the show does that for me. And so when uh, when it does, I feel like it's it's just like a mark of you know a, a special game. Yeah, we should um, get a stream going on that. Mm. Yeah, we should. We should. I've been playing it. Might might do a review. We'll see. Um, and talking about it, but. Yeah, I, I definitely recommend it. Battlebit Remastered is what it's called, in case people forgot what it was called. That's on Steam only right now, as far as I know. Um, and it's Steam yeah, like Deck? 15. You play that? Uh, oh, you could probably Steam Deck it. Probably. Yeah. 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 I'll see a reason why not. Uh, d- probably depending on the anti cheat. Sometimes there's some weird stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. Steam Deck and anti cheat. Um, I, I could Google it right now, probably. Is it free to play, by the way? Or it's not? No, it's, it's $15, but it is like a one time payment of $15. Cool. Yeah. Which yeah. It's also in. I don't know if we mentioned, but it's an early access. Yes. Right? Yeah, they're they're gradually rolling out more stuff. I think they've got more weapons and maps in the pipeline right now. Um, I don't know about any like grander stuff like vehicles or anything like that. I know I've played on at least one map that has runways, so maybe that's an idea somewhere down the line. But uh, largely like very contained to what's in there right now. Um. So what I'm reading is according to GamerTweak.com. Mm-hmm. Battlebit. Luckily, it is possible to play Battlebit Remastered on Steam Deck. However, uh, it is not a Steam verified game. Oh. So I imagine it's like that playable marker. But, uh, and this is actually unfortunate um, for Steam Deck players. Uh, according to this article, recently developers of Battlebit Remastered said that they'll move from easy anti-cheat to face it anti-cheat. And unfortunately, face it anti-cheat does not work on linux as it is only available for windows operating systems interesting okay um and the steam deck uses linux uh just plugged in my steam deck to get a charge <clears throat> maybe i'll grab a battle bit in the window that i have <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i think it's a lot of fun i think it's worth it um yeah i really like it a lot so uh well we got a uh, we're about an hour in got a few more games to talk about um I've been playing uh Final Fantasy 16 um and 
really, really enjoying it. It is, I am not a Final Fantasy guy. You know, I, I played them uh, growing up here and there. I really liked Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. Um, however, I, 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 I've never finished, like properly finished a Final Fantasy game, believe it or not. Uh, so like I've played like Crystal Chronicles. I've played a bit of seven. I watched my friend play a lot of 10. So yeah, this is like a series that like I've always kind of, uh, watched from the outside. Right. And I'm um, I'm in a similar boat. The only one that I've like dabbled in almost all of them. The only one I've beaten is 15. (laughs) Weirdly. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, Yeah. I'm enjoying 16 as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, um, I think I'm at 50%. According to my PlayStation, I'm like 48% through the main story or something like that. And just got to like a, a huge part. And I'm not even going to attempt to try to explain where I'm at without spoilers because so much happened. Um, but the game is really, really fun. Um, I, I think the combat like is killer. I, I just the premise of like, absorbing new abilities as you go like that's been part of the marketing like that's not a spoiler uh has been really really fun and a really uh like every time i feel like i've like mastered my loop right like my you know uh my rotations you know uh there's like another layer that gets added on top and i suddenly have new spells to work in my rotation or upgrades um and but most of all the, the story is just like has really captured me. Um, and I mean, that's not to say it is, doesn't have its shortcomings. Cause it, I, I actually think there's like several shortcomings with the game's story, but, um, but like overall, like it, it just, it's, I feel like it's paced really well. Um, like as I like yesterday, I was playing through a section that was like after a pretty big part, and it was like kind of a lull, like kind of like slower pace. I was like, ah, I kind of want this to pick up again. And it's like, as soon as I said that, the next quest is like ramps it up to 11. And it's like the most bombastic part that I've seen in the game so far. And it's just like a gauntlet of revelations for <laughs> the story. Uh, and now I'm like, oh my God, like I, I got to play this again. Um, and I think at this point people know, especially... Yeah, like the time, there's like a time skip at the beginning of the game, right? Uh, I don't think that's a spoiler at this point. Um, and just like the way it, it it frames its story through moments like that uh, really allows it to like breathe, I think. And like not so much worry about like, it does, the, it does thing that games a lot of time do not do where... A lot of games will. Oh, we've got to go to that um, that building or that 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 town that's way far away. And in some games, it's like, okay, we're going to. You have to like physically walk there every step of the way. And I feel like Final Fantasy 16 does a smart thing, uh, where like sometimes you do that, and other times through like a cinematic cutscene, like it'll just fade out and fade in, and you're there. And it's like it's like you're watching a show, right? Like when you're when you're watching like a game of thrones or whatever they don't feel the need to show you every detail of walking from one place to another it's like let's just focus on the important things and tell a story and final fantasy 16 does that really well and as as over the top as it is 
in the way it frames its story, I feel like it adopts like some subtler um, methods that like movies do or like filmmakers use to like tell a story. Whereas a lot of games just fall into the trap of like over explaining things. And not that it doesn't do that in certain aspects of the game. It's just, yeah, I yeah. really well, like the, it. The video game medium, like the advantage of video games is like, you can just live with a character in the way that you can't with a book or a movie. Yeah. And like, like sometimes that's great, but I like, I'm with you. I appreciate it here that they're sort of like prioritizing the narrative and being like, yeah, you don't have to spend all your time with Clive. We're, we'll show you the important bits of Clive's life, you know, and then maybe there'll be some combat mixed in there along the way. They also don't, at least as far as I'm played, you might be, you're probably farther than me at this point, but like, they don't spend as much time with like exposition. And I think a lot of that is like that active time lore system is there to fill in a lot of the like backstory and that context and stuff to where you don't get the, the, the often annoying thing where like someone has to explain to a character about like some big event that that character should be aware of just because they live in that world. But because yeah. they got to relay it to the audience or like, no, here's the, here's what happened in the great war of the eight, seven, three, you know, uh, you know this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> yeah. Let's yeah, just see the way we all talk about American history arbitrarily, you know, when we're having yeah. discussions. About other things. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a huge point, Marcus. Like, I think that is why I'm still playing this game, because I think oftentimes I do get bogged down in the exposition and it, like my eyes kind of glaze over. And I'm just like, I just want to get to the next like actual story beat or the next sequence so i can you know play the game um and like i'm smart enough to figure out like context clues and stuff like that like you don't have to feed it all to me like on a spoon right and if you do you're an empath you know it's easy like if you do forget any finer detail like just hitting the touchpad brings up the thing you're like oh what's that oh i I forgot what that battle was again and then it's there and you're like okay that's all right now i'm back on track you know like which which is the duchy of this thing uh, you know, I didn't Charles have to Google wrote, what a duchy was because I was like, I didn't <laughs> say, heard yeah, this word. we did too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, Charles wrote a great feature about the active time war system, and that was his favorite part of this game. And he hit a lot of these same notes, saying like, you know, it's just such, you know, the story is great in its own, but the few times that you might go off track because you just forgot a face or like a relationship, you just hit that button and you're like, okay, I'm back on track. Okay, continue. <laughs> yeah, and you don't need the game like the characters to tell you that. I, I will say I have hit a part in the story that like uh, I'm like, do I was this needed? Um, like I felt like it was doing a really it had a really tight story and um, and like a lot of threads and interpersonal conflict. And then like I reached a point last night where I was like, oh, yeah, this is a Final Fantasy. And I hit a point last night where I had that. Or like maybe not even like this is a Final Fantasy. This is like an RPG or a JRPG. Like, yeah, and I don't so want to spoil that can mean it. A lot of things. That yeah. I think I know where you're at, <laughs> or I think I know what you're referring to. Not specifically, but just like the what? style of like, in like perhaps like an escalation. Yeah, yeah, and I don't want to spoil anything. But I'm like, JRPGs I don't think this was needed. I think you could have done. You could have not done you're this like oh this is a thing now just as riveting but but i haven't seen how it play out we'll see but uh let, so i'm, I'm a little curious how that's gonna yeah I'm, I'm curious how it will play out but 
Um, overall, so far, I think I'm probably 15 hours in, and I'm just mainlining the MSQ. Um, Are you doing any of this side stuff? <clears throat> not really, what? unless it has um, the like plus, the plus sign. Yeah. Right. What was that acronym um, you just used? MSQ? MSQ, baby. That's a 14 term right there. The yeah, I, story I, quest. I oh, listen okay. to. I'm in Discord with Eric and people that play 14 a lot. So I've heard the word, the term MSQ. I figured I'd yes, add it to my it's, lexicon. It's a Throw good around fancy terms. It's a good phrase. Yeah. The MSQ is the main story quest. So the, and I, I don't I don't plan to really, I really just partially because of all the games that are out right now. I really am just like mainlining this thing. Um, uh, you're missing out, man. I mean, mm-hmm. I saved the idiot that was being attacked by crabs. I saved him too, actually. Uh, yeah. the, but I thought that was tied into the main story. I don't know. The, Maybe the there's another good, side quest where a guy gets attacked by crabs. The good side Caps quest is the one with the dog. That one in like right oh. before you get to Oriflom is really oh okay. Like that, with Torgal? No, no. If oh, you don't, if you don't know what I'm talking about, then you know what I'm talking I probably, about. I don't but, think I've got yeah. Uh, it's it's some like full metal alchemist type stuff where you're oh, just like, no. oh, it gets I don't dark. Like that. It that gets could also go. Dark. Yeah, I was like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I guess I could go based off location. I just finished Oriflom. Yes. Yeah. Um, for listeners who who might have already been there, um, that's a great. I, yeah, I could just I could have just said like location because they're all proper nouns that nobody yeah knows that, anything about that's how i've been saying it so like dalmechia uh rosalind i am now uh, in dalmechia yeah um yeah i, I think i will say <laughs> like that is one of the moments of the game where you can really tell that creative business unit three worked on that game because they uh for those who don't know that is the team that also works on a lot of 14 stuff um, and a lot of the Heaven's Word and Stormblood team uh, has overlap here in 16. And there is a part where you get to Oriflom and it's like some stuff is going to happen. You might want to like wrap up what you're doing uh, and be ready for like a lot of things happening. And there's infamous moments in Final Fantasy 14 where they will say, once you do this, several cutscenes will play in sequence. We recommend setting aside time for, for what's in store. Uh, get a sandwich. Yeah. There, there's no, that, a very... Yeah infamous plot twist that happens in early on in 14 that happens like after you have encountered that so it'll be like several cutscenes are going to play in sequence that usually means like stuff's going down like, like there's some stuff that's gonna happen yakuza does that too and uh-huh. i really appreciate that where it's like you'll you're playing something at like midnight and it's like hey just a heads up this next section is gonna go pretty hard so like you might want to mm-hmm. say this for tomorrow and I'm like, yes thank you video game i appreciate more that. video go games should do that that's yeah. a really nice thing for video games to do well the playstation yeah. 5 has those cards i feel like that was like a big selling point when they announced the playstation 5 where it was mm-hmm. like it's like you'll you can see how much is left in this section and i was like that's a great idea i've never nobody those uses ones. it i've yeah. never intentionally looked i yeah. always see it in passing and i'm like oh okay yeah seemed a great idea in theory that i just in weird like it's, it's practical application i'm just not finding myself using it strangely yeah uh i, I just want to shout out sid Sid's uh, the sid. man one of my favorite video game characters in a while i think i love him so He's, much I, like i said I, I forget the actor that Please him like his name. Uh, I think his like... his name is uh, Deep McVoicey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that his name? Too too. too I'm sorry. Uh, too Deep McVoicey. I think is his name. Yeah. Uh, what was the complaining that his voice was? I'm too looking deep? right was now. That, it's it's not a Kyle Lane. Ralph. Ralph. It, Innocent, no, I think I was Brian. Did Brian say? Yeah. That? It's not really. Well, a Brian complaint. said that. I, I've... 
It's not really a complaint, but I don't know. I, I feel like it caught me way off guard. Like, my wife and I have been sort of playing it together, sort of passing the controller, and we were both, like, looked at each other like, oh, my God, that's not the voice I expected to come out of that face. Oh, away wait. Life. Eric, did you know this? I know you love this movie. He plays... Does he play... Plays someone in Green Knight, he... right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is he yeah. the... Uh, he plays. Uh, I'm I'm pulling up IMDb, but yeah, Rolf Innocent. and he's Rolf, that's right. He's also in Diablo as well, right? That's yes. what I was yeah, gonna bring up is Diablo. that because uh, he plays Lorath in Diablo, he, he plays he's, the he's Green my... Knight in Green Knight. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. Oh, okay. You can kind of I... tell from his face. <laughs> I was saying like he's gonna be because Lorath is my favorite character in Diablo Four, uh-huh. and one of my favorite characters of the year, and Sid's up there too. So I'm like, man, Ralph's gonna be. Two of the best characters of the year when we have that discussion. <laughs> I, in here. It's like, who's the best Ralph Morrison yeah, character? Yeah. I just think it's incredible that they made an even hotter Sid. Like, they keep <laughs> reaching cataclysmic, like, levels of Sid hotness that should not be reached, that are dangerous to reach, but we keep climbing ever higher. Uh, I just really respect that, you know? Yeah, he's he's great every time he's on screen i'm like yeah that's my my boy man we're rolling in deep he he lights up the the cigarette with his with his finger with the magic or it's it's so good every time someone does that in that game look i'm not saying that smoking is good i'm just saying that when you light a cigar or a cigarette with your magic finger it looks really cool all right (laughs) (laughs) it is true it does look great um anything else before we move on no okay I want to talk about, I'm sorry, I'm hogging the time today. Uh, I really want to talk about a game that I only started playing yesterday morning, I think, and I've already put five hours into it. It's uh, called Friends vs. Friends. Uh, It is a... (sighs) Okay, this is what they call the Civil War. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, yes, yes. I'm going to I'm going to throw a lot of a lot of things at you real quick. Okay. A lot of uh, similarities to other games. So, Neon White, Call of Duty okay. Gunfight, The Night Simpsons. Fight? I'm sorry, gunfight. did you say The Simpsons? Okay, the Simpsons. Okay, just making sure. That's how I, that's because Blake joined uh, the Discord that I was streaming the game in, and he was like, is this The Simpsons? And I was like, <laughs> it, uh, it looks a lot like The Simpsons, Blake. Uh, so, <clears throat> it is effectively a, it's a multiplayer shooter. You can either play in 1v1 modes or 2v2 modes. And uh, the central mechanic uh, at play, well, FPS mechanics, but the central system at play, rather, is a deck uh, a deck builder where you are, uh, similar to Neon White, like your cards that you are playing, they are, they are God, this game is weird to, weird to describe. Oh, I'm sorry. this game. Sorry, I just pulled it up. But yeah, I remember this game. Okay, I'm just going to like try to get through this because it's a weird game to explain uh you have a deck of cards that are randomly shuffled each round uh the round ends one when one team kills the other team or one player plays kills the other player if it's a 1v1 um at the start of each round your deck is shuffled into your hand uh i think you get like three new cards per hand per per round something like that i think it depends on the mode uh and uh, the card could be uh oh you this card if you play this card um it makes your opponent's head really big and that's good because that's a crit spot on your enemy or you could play a card that uh heals you or you could start let's say you're on a a certain map that 
It's pretty long range, got long hallway, uh, and you're lucky and uh, you draw a sniper card. Play the sniper card, and now you have a sniper for the rest of the round. Um, and, you know, it is it is that concept, but, like, very, very wacky and in-depth. Like, you can affect... There's, there's one card that you can play. It's called the nuke card, and it will literally take you to a new level. Um, like, it nukes the map, and suddenly you're no longer on the... The rooftop you're playing on or you're no longer in the um like the the subway system that you were you're the map you were on you play the nuke now you're in like uh you know nuke town and call of duty or there's one that takes you to space um and there's other cards it's like oh your your enemy uh can't their magazines are now empty for like a period of time or oh you can turn into a giant and uh, that will give you, you know, increased damage. But at the same time, uh, you're much easier to see because you're literally a giant on the game. And it is a yeah competitive shooter. It's it's a lot of fun. It is kind of blown me away, honestly. Um, I that is another game where like as you talk about it and try to explain it to somebody, you're like, let's just let's just play it. Like, mm-hmm. let's just get on. Um, it's a ton of fun. Um, it's the, the art style is, I would say like, uh, I mean, I refer to it as the Simpsons, but it's like grungy, uh, like comic grungy pixelated comic book. Like if people have played sludge life, it reminds me of that a little bit. Yeah. I think it's a little cleaner uh, to look at just, it has to be because it's a shooter. It's anthropomorphic animals. It looks like, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And each animal has different uh, abilities, or one one specific uh, unique ability. So, for instance, the moose. If you play as the moose character, you get a double jump. If you play as there's a um, a duck who's kind of like a stoner, and he gets a green herb card, green herb card at the start of every round, which is like a small heal. Uh, there's another uh, animal like the Doberman. They, I think, have increased health. Um, and so you're kind of balancing that stuff. And, you know, these cards that you're playing with, as you progress the game, and currently there are no microtransactions or anything. It's all just in-game economy. You get money by playing the game and leveling up. And there's like an in-game shop that you buy. You can buy either like a normal pack or a gold pack. And again, just in-game currency, no, no, no real money. Um, and you're opening these booster packs and getting new cars and you're building your own decks. Um, you can build multiple decks and, and, you know, depending on how you want to play. Um, and it's just a ton of fun. I really, really, I think I might love the game. I know it's, it's early, you know, (laughs) I might be in love. (laughs) We've only, we've only been together for, you know, two days at this point. Is this a rebound game? Yeah. Is this like, what's going on here? Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, it's called Friends versus Friends. It's on Steam. I think it's being published by Raw Fury, uh, and the developers are Brainwash Gang, I believe. It's really well done. Um, I played it at PAX actually, and that's where I first saw it. And played it at PAX and was instant like, I I need to play this game. And luckily, it's it's already out. Um, which is yeah, awesome. I didn't realize it had come out. I remember seeing it at, like a showcase. Mm-hmm. Yeah, last year. yeah, yeah. I, that snuck up on me. Yeah, it's it's a ton of fun. I think there's gonna be like upcoming free and paid DLC um, later in the year. They've announced, um, but yeah, it is it is a ton of fun. It is already it is just like shot up my list of games that that 
I'm playing. It's it's so good. Yeah. Also, I don't know where Blake got The Simpsons from. It doesn't look yeah. anything like The Simpsons. <laughs> you said that, and I, w- I thought in my head, I was like, Blake has seen The Simpsons, right? Like Blake has- It's his favorite show. Yeah. I think it's got the attitude of The Simpsons. Maybe if it's, it's like, like itchy and scratchy, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I could see that. a cat that. that I see in a screenshot. Yeah. Like a black cat. So. It reminds me like, more of like late night Adult Swim animation stuff. That's fair. It's Simpsons in the way that like, there's like what like duff beer and like there's like all these like gritty grungy it's an adult cartoon looking thing yeah 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 i was greeted with an age gate it's got like dark humor as well i think um but it's it's a ton of fun man i i really like it um there's one card that i love i played it at pax and had this card i haven't unlocked it for my card yet my deck yet but you can enable it so enemies can't jump and so mm. there's one level, and this happened to Jesse yesterday. It also happened at PAX for me. We were playing against a team two on two. Jesse Vitelli, I should say. Um, and he had he jumped into the like train line, like where the subway comes through the level. And if you get hit by the subway, it's instant kill. And typically, you just like jump down, jump back up on the next platform. But somebody hit him with the no jump card, and he was stuck on the tracks, and the <laughs> train came by and just ran him over, and we lost the round. Oh, that's, that's really good. diabolical. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of a lot of combinations like that um, that that work out really well. Um, I like it a lot. So hmm. I recommend Friends vs. Friends. But yeah, that that I mean, we're at we're at an hour and a half right now. Do you guys want to? Got anything else to talk about before we wrap up? Or uh, should we get to some listener questions? Let's do it. Let's do some questions. Awesome. Uh, Before we jump in, I just want to do a couple uh, things of housekeeping. Uh, Don't forget to go and follow the crew here. Follow our special guest, Eric Van Allen. You can follow him on uh, Twitter at CMOOSI. That's S-E-A-M-O-O-S-I. Find his work on Destructoid.com. Uh, Axe to the Blood God, go support them on Patreon and go listen to Normandy FM with uh, dear friend Kenneth Shepard. Uh, follow Marcus at Marcus Stewart 7. You can follow Kyle at Kyle M. Hilliard. And you can follow me at It's Van Aiken. If you want to support Game Informer, uh, you can grab a digital subscription today or you can get a print version of the magazine by going to gamestop.com slash game informer you can buy individual print issues for $5.99 a piece um i know uh, our our uh final fantasy 16 cover is definitely up uh for purchase if i know folks maybe maybe miss that announcement um if you want to get that that is out now and our armored core cover story our, our armored core issue uh will also be available for purchase uh here very soon uh again gamestop.com slash game informers where you get that uh, don't forget to go and listen to All Things Nintendo, which is our other weekly gaming podcast hosted by Brian Shea. And shout out to Matt Storm, a.k.a. DJ Stormageddon, who is our podcast editor. They host two shows. Well, they host many shows, but the two I'm shouting out today are Fun and Games, which is their general gaming discussion podcast, and uh, Reignite, which is their Bioware podcast. So go check them out. Show them some support. Uh, let's jump into listener emails. If you would like to participate, you can email us podcast at gameinformer.com with the subject line game informer show question, uh, or you can join our discord, which you get access to by subscribing, subscribing to us on twitch.tv slash game informer, where we stream replay every Friday. Uh, we also stream throughout the week. 
uh, depending on our schedule. But uh, if you subscribe to us there and support us, you get access to the Game Informer Discord server. And in there is a, uh, a channel called Game Informer Show. Just drop your question in there. We get a lot of questions there, and I monitor it every week. Um, and that's where this week's questions come from, actually. So the first one comes from Jadonkadonk, who asks, Did your gaming habits change during the pandemic? And have they reverted or changed again since a return to normalcy? Kyle, I'm going to go to you first. Uh, n- no, they didn't change. I-, I think I was playing basically the same amount of games pre and post pandemic and during pandemic. <laughs> you know? I think so too. Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, maybe it's the sort of uh, career I've chosen for myself, but, um, uh, yeah, no, yeah, pretty much the, the same. I mean, you know, are we post pandemic? We're sort of like getting into there, yeah. right? It's still kind of floaty. We're still but, in a pandemic, know. right? It yeah. feels like it's, it's not as your tolerance of the pandemic. Right. Like, yeah. You're um, like, I just don't care anymore. Yeah, <laughs> it's over but, for me. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, I play a lot of video games. I, I played a lot of video games when I wasn't leaving the house too, turns out. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I play a lot more games now, mostly because I now work at Game Informer and I got hired during the pandemic. <laughs> uh, but like personally, I don't think my gaming habits have changed uh, too much. <laughs> uh, I just played a lot of Animal Crossing during the pandemic. Oh which yeah, yeah. I already did in my life prior to that. So I was gonna say that was probably the biggest change for me is Animal Crossing. I never played one prior to new leaf Mm. and it's funny i was gonna play new leaf anyway before the pandemic made it almost like therapy right (laughs) but uh yeah that was like the only like big new like i guess thing because i don't i i don't even play a lot of like life sim stuff sure and i haven't really dived into other ones since then but at least for animal crossing like i if they announce a new one i'm like okay i'm gonna play that as before where i was like eh that's cool, but uh, not really my thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I find that the amount I have played has maybe not changed for, I mean, I definitely played more during the pandemic just cause I had like more hours in the day to do it. I wasn't going anywhere. So, but I do think my tastes changed and I've been thinking about this a lot recently that pre pandemic, this is not wholly pandemic, but, but pre pandemic, I was definitely way more into the, I guess we'd call like prestige games, the ones that are like the big budget, like let, let's blow it all out. Let's have like a big fracas. Let's do Horizon and, and Ghost of Tsushima and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the super prestigious, like well-made games. They're well-made games. I'm not, I'm not down talking them, but I find that during the pandemic, because maybe I was in a place where I could be more patient with a game. I got into a lot of stuff that I wouldn't have gotten into normally. So Final Fantasy 14 is probably the biggest one. I've never been an MMO person. I tried World of Warcraft once, didn't like it. I tried Guild Wars 2 and I thought it was neat, but I just didn't have the patience for it. Uh, but then 14, I just kind of like buckled down and said, I'm going to give this a shot. And now I'm just an absolute sicko for Final Fantasy 14. Uh, and same with a lot of other like granted part of this was also joining acts of the blood god but having a lot more time to be like okay here's some like more niche rpgs some more like management type games some more like careful like uh planning and meticulous rpg type games 
are honestly just scratching my brain more than the big showy like explosion games are. And I think that's really reflected that over the last couple of years, like Sizzle Sleeper was one of my favorites from last year because it just did so much that was so interesting to me. And it didn't hit for me the way that like, or, or it hit for me the way that like God of War Ragnarok didn't, I'll, you know, bold claim here on Game Informer podcast that I, I thought Ragnarok was fine. I, I enjoyed it, but I was like Sizz and Sleeper sticks with me way more. And that, so I do think that something changed there for me where I got a little bit more patience for that kind of stuff and wanted things that felt like they were engaging me in a certain way that I hadn't been engaged before. And so now, yeah, I do think my tastes have largely changed. Uh, I like boring games now. <laughs> <laughs> Mash start button uh, writes in and they say, uh, can y'all do a tournament style double elimination, eight team ranking of the best RPG series. Now double elimination. That, that's, that's a lot of time. I feel um, like we need to set up like a chart, like a bracket. Yeah. 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 Get MS paint open. Yeah. They are so. How about this? How about we uh we don't do the actual tournament today, but we kind of draft who's gonna be in the tournament, who is who is worthy of going to the finals. This is the greatest uh, series, right? Yeah, uh, of the best RPG series. Yeah. And Eric, you're on a podcast so, all about RPGs. So up? son yeah, of good time. So it has to be a series. It can't be just a one off. Like this is a great RPG, but I mean, I, one of them. I think that counts, right? And I do think that we need, if we're going to do series, then we have to hold them to the series, which is why I would say that The Witcher, while The Witcher 3 is excellent, The Witcher 2 is quite good, maybe doesn't hold up high on the rankings as a series because there's a reason they're remaking The Witcher 1, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. But yeah, I mean, like there are some obvious ones. You get your Final Fantasies, your Dragon Quests, your Mass Effects, your Fallouts, your Elder Scrolls, uh, your, I'm looking at our list right now, actually, the top 25 RPGs. Diablo, I think, deserves to be on there. Um, I don't know if you'd consider like D&D a series because you have like Neverwinter Nights, Icewind Dale, Baldur's Gate. Uh, that's a license. Like, that's... That, that people license that IP to make yeah. RPGs. Yeah. So I'd maybe put Baldur's Gate on there just because one and two are very yeah. well well remembered. Um, the Mother series, obviously from Nintendo. I'd yeah. say like Pokemon. Pokemon. Yeah. Pokemon. Yeah. I always, I have a weird thing where I always forget that Pokemon is an RPG. It is an RPG. Totally. Uh, Most people do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Call of Duty. Call of Duty, no. of course. Yeah. The, per- the perk system, FIFA. the loadouts. You know, I think FIFA's really got something going there. Uh, yeah. Uh, chrono triggers, two we, and a half we, chrono trigger games. Look, <laughs> hey, look, two makes a series, the chrono games, you know, that get them true. in there. Uh, does that mean Undertale and Deltarune count as a series? Because now we can toss those in. I mean, technically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Deltarune's uh, not out yet. Right. I mean, Shin Megami Tensei is an obvious one to put in there too. Yeah, persona, uh, that gets persona. that gets messy because you have like Shin Megami Tensei, and then you have like the yeah, main trunk keeps going, but then you have like Persona off to the side, and then like Strange Journey and Devil Survivor and Digital Devil Saga, like, like all that. Persona stands on its own at this point. Yes, oh, yeah. Persona is its own thing at this point. It doesn't have Shin Megami yeah. in the title anymore. Yeah. The same way that I would say like Final Fantasy Tactics is a series separate from Final Fantasy. Now, does turn based we're saying RPG, not turn-based strategy. Yeah, because then we start getting into Valkyria Chronicles. We start getting like into X-Com. Tactics Ogre. Like that's where you get into some some weeds okay. there. Uh, what about like the Divinity series? Divinity is good. Uh, that's RPG, another one yeah. where it's only two entries. Unless you of Eternity. Yeah, Poe is good. Poe is solid. Um, Wait, what if <laughs> is that what P-O-E? we call Poe? Yeah, Poe. 
pillars of eternity. Po? Yeah, Poe, like my cat. Let me just call it Poe. Um, oh, okay. I think I I, I heard Pee Wee. Yeah, Pee Wee. Like <laughs> yeah, Pee Wee Herman's big RPG. We're really excited about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, you won't believe how Kingdom it ends. Hearts? Kingdom Hearts. Oh, I feel like somebody's RPG? somebody's screaming Mass Effect into their. Right? Oh, I, I said Mass, Mass Effect earlier. Did you say? Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not Elder yeah. Scrolls. Yeah, Elder Scrolls. Yeah. F- Fable. That's that's a tricky one for me because I feel like Fable has some highs and Fable has some lows. So, I think two almost like can carry the whole series. I don't think I feel like I'm a three defender where it's like it's not as good as two, but it's not like it's a bad game. Do y'all want me to start a little fire here on the podcast? Um, do you consider uh, yeah. the Legend of Zelda an RPG series? No, no. Mm. As a whole, after the most no. recent one, even. It's, but I mean, yeah, as more a whole. than ever, it's like You've an overworld got, action game with puzzles. It's an overworld action game where you can pick items up and fuse them to get bigger numbers. Where you are actively upgrading your equipment with progression in the world. Uh, where you are having to adapt to the environment. Where you are building a party spoilers <laughs> and i it's been a month no, now i think that's without fine. a question um, it's, not, it's never been an rpg for me i'm i'm just saying it's got a lot of rpg for a game that's not an rpg it's got rpg elements. hear me out yeah i kind of look at that stuff more as survival mechanics yeah which maybe that opens a door I, like our survival I, games rpgs i do think tears of the kingdom is an immersive sim game and then that gets into like is deus ex an rpg like yes but also a different kind of rpg it's it's weird it reminds me what system shock being a conversation then i think system shock is much more rpg like like yeah should that be in the brackets uh the banner saga a banner saga is good but that's a tactics with some oregon trail yeah 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 (laughs) oh did you say oregon oregon it's totally got oregon trail like the traveling wagon stuff and running into weird no i'm just saying it's called oregon it's tomato tomato you say Oregon. Oregon. Or, i've never heard oregon heard is like a final fantasy Midwest, boss maybe you say Oregon. uh maybe i, I say Oregon because i think of Oregon like either body part or oh yeah. well I, I put i put like an extra like little bit in there so was, if i'm saying like Oregon, like that's an organ uh mm. but that's if it's the state that i'm like Oregon. There's like a well, little, I am from the south, and our education extra. system is lacking in those parts of the state. Yeah, so, yeah. So that's on me. Um, what about like the Soulsborne series? See, that's also a tricky one on whether you consider. I think RPG those are RPGs. Not. I think I some so. are yeah. a lot more RPG than others. Like I think, I think sure. Dark Souls specifically, if we leave it to that, those three games or Elden Ring. Yeah. Elden Ring. I think Elden yeah. Ring is the most yeah, RPG. Of you're all upgrading of them. individual specific stats. Yeah. Yeah. Which you are also doing in the Legend of Zelda. You're you're expanding your health <laughs> and your endurance, but you're not you're not upgrading your sort of armor and your you know what I mean? Like it's not you're upgrading your system. armor in Zelda. Wait, well, yes, you are. Breath of the Wild, but you are yeah. individual like items. I don't know. <laughs> yes. I guess I'm really like <laughs> I it's different that uh, compared to Dark Souls, I'm saying you can go and like upgrade your like you have a numerical thing that you're upgrading specific statistics, where you, Zelda you is can... a much more free form. Like it's not that you're like going. It does to me at least. It doesn't feel you like you're going into a wait, menu you can... and up and turning up numbers. You're like, it, it just the way they sort of present it just feels more like you're you're actively engaged in like building yourself up with. I don't know. It just feels different to me. You can go you to a really great create... fairy. You can bring your armor pieces. You can upgrade them, and when you hit certain upgrade points, they will give you set bonuses. So that way, now you have new abilities on your armor in this, Zelda. This sounds like but some messy that... blood god drama that you're bringing. <laughs> I feel on like it is, but I love spreading <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah. It's also I would still say like those are only that's... the two 
I was just going to say the other thing is those uh, upgrades are totally optional and not required for progression. So they're just fun bonuses where like in Dark Souls, like you, I mean, unless you're like playing, if you're a masochist and you're actively trying to make the game more difficult for yourself, the sort of mechanics of the game are upgrading yourself, you know? Yeah. Plus those are only the most, the two most recent Zelda's like the vast majority of the series does not have any of that stuff. Zelda two, baby. Zelda two is an RPG. Oh my God. I Can also I feel like, like on this say? podcast, my bad. Like Twilight Princess, <laughs> like to me, like upgrading the um the 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 suit in Tears of the Kingdom uh, for uh, skydiving. Right, mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. upgrade that suit all the way, you no longer take fall damage while you're wearing that suit. That to me feels like an upgrade in like Twilight Princess, where you get a second claw shot. It's like a very specific thing that changes how you interact with the game as opposed to being like oh now i have twice as much health so this fight will be easier it it, it is all semantics like to be fair <laughs> like yeah. you know oh, what i mean that's i'm gonna love arguing it yeah. i'm gonna spare people from screaming at us and just rapid fire real quick i'm gonna toss in golden sun yes mm. uh, yeah. Golden sun, yeah okay dark cloud and yeah i love dark my cloud. favorite rpg world of warcraft yeah there's I mean, plenty of absolutely. expansions that are full games are mmos Oh, MMOs yeah. count. They have MMO RPG. RPG. Yeah, I guess so. yeah. That's, I mean, yeah, I guess it's MMA. Um, Shadow Hearts. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, Shadow Hearts is a good shout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm. There's, I mean, I love the Tales we got a, of we got series. A good the the Tales of Arise, Tales of Symphonia, Tales of Asperia. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, those, Tales. Those are special to me. Um, all right, now we got to set up the tournament. Mm. I'm kidding. Yeah, we got to seed all. Do we have of to them. throw these all in a generator. Yeah, we got to get. We got to go through everyone that we throw out. Um, well, the thing about a tournament is that we got to pit like two against each other to see what knocks out what. Exactly. But, like, that's, that's true. That's yeah. a lot of work. Yeah, uh, exactly. So, so do we, we just like call? Do we just say like what's number one? Strap in, Marcus. For, uh, oh, it's gonna be a long podcast. What's the number one RPG series? It's Dragon Quest. There, I solved it. It's Dragon. not a bad answer. That, yeah. That's the classic. Come on, that is. I would argue maybe the more recent ones, but like. I feel like Dragon Quest, Dragon Quest has had a, yeah, and, and like, I I have a soft spot for eight, mm-hmm. uh, and for it being my first one. DQ like, five is a banger. In terms of like major innovation, I feel like Dragon Quest has struggled with that for the most part. They feel a little samey. We're not talking with about the, with except- we're not talking about innovation. We're talking about the good <laughs> stuff. It's just always good. It's always, I guess, reliable and predictable. <laughs> I mean, the Tale series. Because there's just so many of them, definitely falls prey to like. Oh yeah, there's, there's some like less great, less remarkable ones, and then they hit like a rise, something like that. <laughs> we're like, oh man, they this is a hit. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, so just by, yeah, Final Fantasy would be like the other easy answer, right? Like Final Fantasy is probably the series most people think of when they think of RPGs, uh, and it's probably the most consistent. Uh, I don't know about that. Like, like, I like oh. Neg- oh. And we're, and we're only talking about the number games, and I guess the sequels to the number games. Well, <laughs> like ten. But even then, you have people who will be like, I mean, eleven is its own odd duck. But some people love twelve, and some people hate twelve. Some people love thirteen. Some people hate thirteen. Some people love. Well, 15, listen, the people on this call, yeah. dude, we're not. We're only talking about our opinions. Not we're not taking oh, account our outside. Opinions. Yeah, like in on this panel, because I would say I'm a twelve defender. But um, I would also make an argument for Fallout because I think. I, I do I do think there are lows in Fallout. I'm not a huge fan of Fallout 4 or even Fallout 3 much. We're talking about the series as a whole. Like but one like 1-2 New Those Vegas ones. are bangers. They're very good. 
wait one two and new vegas one two enough, and right? new vegas i i have issues with three i have personal three issues play. with three um okay. largely that you kind of follow the main character around in the story and watch him do stuff while you don't and also the way that game ends i just have a huge problem with the way that game ends fox can go oh in God. there and hit the button just let fox go in there and hit the button that's a thing it's you got, can do mm. it's got that liberty prime segment though yeah you get to watch <laughs> liberty prime do cool stuff you know what rules <laughs> in fallout new vegas when you get to storm the dam with all the companions you've accrued and you yeah, get I'm to with do you. i things. love new vegas yeah so. no Fallout New Vegas is a oh all timer all timer. We could cut. Let's just cut Shadow Hearts. I don't think no Shadow Shadow Hearts is great. I think Shadow Hearts is fine. I would put it on if if we're saying Pokemon. No, we're not cutting anything because this is this segment's over. Yeah, (laughs) those are just all the games. Yeah, we've just listed games. Yeah, we've just we've 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 got people. We just read the Wikipedia entry for RPG. So Zork is in there. <laughs> it's still and all seriousness, I just uh wanted to say thank you to Eric for coming on and yeah. uh and for, for joining us on the show. Go and follow him again, all of his work at Destructoid, um, Axe of the Blood God, Norman DFM. Uh follow these guys here. Um and uh yeah, stay tuned. We got a lot of, of cool coverage coming up. I know the holidays is coming up, fourth of July, but we will still have Actually, I think those days in particular, we're going to have some really sick stuff on the website. Uh, so go and, and read. Oh, you know what I feel bad about real huh. quick? What? Um, again, to save us, we didn't name any of the Mario RPGs, <laughs> which uh, feels like an oversight. Because that's <laughs> tricky because there's Super Mario RPG and then like the Mario and Luigi series, which I do think the yeah, Mario but... and Luigi series is pretty good. I love Superstar Saga. It's a very good game. Yeah. I'm sorry, Mario. Mm. Apologies, too. Mario. I think Mario's doing just fine. Oh, Paper Mario. Yeah, Paper Mario. Too. <laughs> he's making a billion dollars right now. <laughs> he's, he's doing pretty great. Yeah, and he's also going to be in uh, the new Jurassic Park movie. Oh, good Wait, for him. What? Wait, what? Yeah. It's a Chris Pat. Oh, Chris okay. Oh. Okay, okay. Wait, are they making another one? I, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, okay. All right, let's get out of here. Thanks for watching, everybody. Uh, Be sure to review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Share the show with a friend, and we will see you next Thursday. Bye.